Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast, and I'm joined by an experienced panel of tech leaders to discuss an intriguing topic. Product management, is it an art or a science? Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room and make some general introductions. So first, how do you? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Helter Nagata. I've uh, I've been with Linkfire now for, for many years, um, and I've, I've done a little bit of everything there, everything from customer success, partnerships, but mostly and currently I do products. Nice. Outside of work? Outside of work. Um, I, I try to enjoy video games when I get a chance. I uh, try to stick to my reading habit. I start a ton of side projects that I never finish. The, uh, I think the main work right now is I'm translating one of my favorite sci-fi novels into Faroese. And um, I think I'm still several chapters away from losing interest and giving up. So so that's good. Uh, I'll be interested to hear how you get on that one. Hopefully you get this one finished. But Lucia? Quick introduction, please. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I started as a graphic designer, and, and then I moved into product with product design, and then I become a product manager a little bit less than a year ago. So quite new in the game, but super interested. I am working for SP Perform, a software as a service tool for business to business that helps the, the big companies to provide customer service. Um, outside work, I love anything creative. I've done all the things that you can think of. I also had a podcast at some point that I learned a lot from. I love to do stand-up comedy. I did for a while here in the Copenhagen circuit in English. I love <laughs> reading a lot. I have a challenge this year for 48 books and right now I'm on track, so it's going well and uh, yeah i love learning anything i can and for those that only be listening to the recording of this episode how do just made a, a hand gesture that was mind-blowing at lucia doing the stand-up comedy but i won't put you on the spot and ask you for a joke i know that lucia and sorry, lucia and how you've both been on the podcast before but sorry first time yes give us an introduction thank you new kid on the block or new kid in the class uh, i'm sorry i've been with the uh, Lubico for a little more than two and a half years. Lubico being a uh, a, a company that makes a digital loyalty app for for retail, something like a Scan and Go or Scan and Pay is is the name of their the, the jewel of their uh, of their stack. I've been doing a number of, of site uh, site services, or site products to that. Because, uh, apart from from paying for your groceries, obviously you need to be able to win uh, some toothpaste or buttermilk or whatever you need. And obviously, go and pick up your free buttermilk or toothpaste, and hence pick up some more products uh, while you're there to fill the basket or to create food drop. Um, before that, I've been into IT and shipping uh, for many years, and I've spent a lot of time in the army. Uh, since this is a podcast, hence all sound, those who cannot see me would 
notice from the recording if there was video that I'd be somewhat elder than the, the rest of the audience here. And yes, I'm in my late 40s, but nonetheless still in product management, but got my way into it via the the route just described here, from, from army to shipping IT to product management. When I don't work, um, I love to go skiing. I love to exercise, uh, train my body. Uh, I have a house, which I seem to be mending all the time. Uh, I have two children uh, of, of some age, 20 and 17. And so my, my days are packed. Thank you very much. Thank you for the introductions. And I think from the introductions that you give there, it could be a completely separate episode onto each person's individual journey into product. But today, the question we'll be tackling is product management, art or science? And Lucia, I know that before the podcast, you put forward a great question that I suppose lays the foundation for the rest of the episode. So if you'd like to pose that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always love and hate these kind of questions, art and science, what it is, where do you define yourself? Because I think it's super personal. How do you define art or science? Because my grandma will say that making a dinner is a science. And my other grandma says that making a dinner is an art. So what do you define out of it is the important part. So I would like to learn and to understand what you guys are thinking and defining for art and for science, because I think that will help us to go into the debate with a little bit more of understanding of each other's point of view. Uh, I, I mean, absolutely, absolutely no offense to your, to your grandmother, but I, I, I do think that science by now is a pretty sort of well-established uh, principle. So of course, how we define art versus science in the context of, of product management specifically, that, that, that gets blurry. Uh, but but if we take a step back and just sort of check them out individually in isolation, then, you know, maybe we can take it from there. Uh, I'll, I'll start with science, that being the, the easy one, uh, where, where most of us do agree by now that by definition, science is about following the scientific method. Um, simplified, that just means observation and experimentation. That's when you observe some state of your product, you hypothesize a way to improve it, you design and run an experiment, which confirms if it really is an improvement or not. You know your your typical textbook A/B test. What the what the scientific method, um, to the extent possible, tries to exclude is the effects of human intentions and biases. While art will will actively embrace those. It's about intentionally creating something subjective, using your personal intuition and creativity to do so. Taking a purely data driven approach to product or to cooking for that matter, uh, will reduce your risk of failure. Absolutely. But it will also reduce your chances of outlier success. If you instead approach product or cooking as an artist, you'll have a much broader range of outcomes. On the one hand, you may create something truly novel that will resonate with an, an enormous amount of people, maybe like one, one of your grandmothers does with her cooking. On the other hand, if we are honest with ourselves, our artistic intuition is probably bad and our chances of total failure much higher than if we just colored by numbers. If, you know, we take my cooking as an example, merging the best of both of those. Well, you know, that's, that's what we do for a living or that's what we try to do for a living. Wow. <clears throat> How am I supposed to second or oh, to, to come after that? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, I, I, I reckon, and I agree with you, Hadgir, that the idea that the hypothesizing and the following of rules and the studying of of outcomes is usually what what science is all about uh 
However, I'd like to jump into the other ditch, which is the the art perspective, because art is is in my definition something that if if art is done correctly, it'll make you stop and wonder, or make you stop and think, or make you contemplate on what the hell just happened. Hence, it's supposed to move your mind. However, the most gifted artists are those that are able to make you stop and think, or make you challenge your hypotheses or the rules that you've set up around you as to what works and hence i believe art is when you are truly able of taking whatever best methods or or, or experiments you've done but combine them in new, new ways and make those who either uh, spectators or those subject to to your to your artwork stop and wonder and say what the hell just happened there i know this may be a far-fetched but but Sometimes there's a Danish uh, author who, who wrote at some point that something like football is something you have to you have to experience it. You cannot watch football because every now and then one spectacular player with spectacular skills does something that makes you say, "What the hell just happened here?" And you have to sort of see it again in slow motion to fully assess and fully ascertain and appreciate what actually happened. And that's 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 when you're touching art, I believe, when you you. You have to stop and wonder due to the genius of it. But, but uh, Lucia, um, that was your question. What's your own answer? Well, after those answers, I don't know. I, I would like to go in a really much more simplistic way of both of them. And is what from what I always been understanding for is art is, and I think I agree with you, Soren, is, is something that makes you feel. Art is something that makes you feel, something that generates something in you. I remember having a literature class and hating one book so much. I was arguing with the teacher about it, about the character. I was not liking it. And my teacher stopped me and was like, do you realize that she, that the author is a great author? And I was like, why? It's so stupid. He's portraying a really bad character and he's generating uh, me all this anxiety. And she was because he's making you feel something. That's a great author. That's some. That's a great artist. And then I realized that art doesn't have to be always giving you only good feelings. Like, oh, I love this this picture. Art, art is about making you feel and making you be in the moment for that stuff. Um, but also, as a granddaughter of two artists, my one of my grandmothers is a, a cook. Uh, uh, sorry, a painter, and the other one is a, a writer. I will say that art is also a practice that you need to do and yet you need to generate all the time. Um, in the other hand, uh, science, the most basic definition of science and what it makes science is generates facts from the scientific method, as, uh, as you said for, uh, really well, but just generates facts, something that is refutable, but for a moment is established as the baseline. So that's my definition on art and science. Can I just comment on an aspect here? Because it, it, as you said, you have, you, you have two relatives with, with artistic professions. Yeah. Uh, I, I've come across this a couple of times and, and this, we all know the sentence of, or, or the, the, uh, the word masterpiece, right? It, it's, it's a piece of art that's, that's really breathtaking and makes you stop and, and you might have a lot of emotions to it or it, it, it touches you somehow. That's a masterpiece, but there's also what I refer to as a master's piece, which is not a masterpiece, but really, really, really good and truly made by somebody who knows their who knows their stuff. Uh, hence, a, like a well-composed uh, dinner, for that matter, uh, like you mentioned. Unlike, well, not not unlike, but not as good as a masterpiece, but a master's piece of work. I agree. 
altitude. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to wanted to come back to to the analogy you had from football. Um, I, I don't follow much football myself, but uh, I do I do recognize it from 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 professional Counter Strike. If I if I may go there, good good. Uh, uh, but 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 you you do you do have those players that stand out every once in a while those you know once in a lifetime kind kinds of talents and I think it's 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 actually a pretty it's it's a very fitting analogy where most top level players they get there through a, a lifetime of studying they they study they study the techniques of the masters they 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 practice them they they do all of the right drills they work with all of the all of the right coaches. They experiment, you know. If I if I kick it this way, and will that will that go in or not? Uh, they they actually do follow that scientific method. They observe, they hypothesize, they experiment, they evaluate. Then, on the other hand, you know, just once in a generation, you will get you know that single prodigy that just you know comes out of nowhere, pushes the boundaries, does something unexpected, manages to take the history of the sport. And embody that, and 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 somehow you know just do the unexpected and and push the state of the art and the science from that point forward. Um, yeah, just not sure why I wanted where I wanted to go with that, but that 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 did get me thinking. That analogy. I think you you come to the point that that art is hard work. It doesn't come out, it doesn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, I was gonna say that because you said that they are following the scientific method. I disagree a little bit on that. They, are, of course, they are studying, but that doesn't mean that they are doing a scientific method. They basically are learning and that they are creating their own ways. So, yeah, I I think we shouldn't classify everything between art or science. There are other things that is also a learning. So it's uh, I know that this podcast is about art and science, but that's learning is not putting a scientific method into it like there are people who can be super disciplined about it and be super like okay say if I do this and then I will generate B but there are people that are just trying and they, they feel it and that's different if I may reply to that when um, I, when it comes to genius and geniuses and and whether things are art or 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 a science I always return to one of the great masters Leonardo da Vinci I'm sure we all know him right uh, I've happened I've had the the pleasure of of, of visiting his museum in his hometown of Vinci in in, in, in in Tuscany in Italy. And it obviously Leonardo is famous for mechanical engineering and painting. And it what what goes to show is that the reason he got there, because obviously he didn't paint Mona Lisa at first, right? That was sort of somewhere later down the line, uh, after him refining a hell of a lot of different techniques. But his mechanical engineering was also second to none and and really gifted based on based on the technology available at the time right he invented the car he invented a helicopter it wouldn't fly but in principle it was right what people uh, mostly failed to acknowledge in this context was that he started as a painter and then became the mechanical engineer that he sort of also thrilled uh, thrived within and 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 amazed people with his inventions but the reason he could become the mechanical engineer was because for his painting, he studied the human body with all its joints and, and, and muscles and what have you. And that is actually what gave him the basis of the mechanical engineering, um, as obviously there was no combustion engine at the time. But but my, my point being, he did a long, hard study of the human body to perfect his painting, which gave him something else. And he then managed to sort of put those two together 
into becoming the master to perform his arts both within mechanical engineering because what he did was was actually all available you have now all the proven sciences to 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 uh, to to as, as the foundation for his his, uh, his inventions but he did it out of sort of a pure heart or a will uh, decided to be a a good painter but in the context putting the two together became the the, uh, the supreme master within both mechanical engineering and and art hence I, I don't think you and, and i think that's really the <laughs> sort of the the the, uh, the headline of this this podcast here there's not necessarily a clear distinction between art and and science but there's a lot of science behind art and i think some great points there maybe between the group the way it was five back and forth i mean one thing that stood out to me was halja you said the scientific method excludes human biases whereas art includes and embraces this and then i think Lucy, you went on to say that art is something that makes you feel, and I think this was really encompassed when Soren, you went on to say, I think, you know, within the football analogy, you see one in a generation, you see that one star, and it's just unbelievable. But I think one thing that it went on to, to question as well was whether the, the two terms, art and science, really juxtapose, or whether they coexist. And I think that's something that could be a, a whole other discussion in itself. But I know that, Halji, your question forces the the panel to directly address this and almost sit on one side of the fence or the other and i'm really looking forward to that you know rather than navigating the ambiguity of is it both really trying to make a stance when it comes to the product management sphere so if you'd like to pose that that question absolutely now this, this is a, a wonderful little uh, kumbaya moment uh, that that we're having where we're all sort of agreeing that you know it's all it's everything's a little bit of everything so so i'm gonna come in and stir the pot uh, you know, quite simply, is product management an, an art or a science? As as we've talked about, sure, yeah, it's both. But let's make this interesting. You are not allowed to say both. Oh, uh, if 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 I may start, uh, I don't consider myself a, a, a within science. Hence, it, it it must be an art what I'm doing. But um, I'm pretty sure that it's based on on a lot of science. That didn't answer your question, but my my. When product management is really good, it is an art. It makes you stop and wonder. So, yeah, an art form. Now, that's not very humble, I know, but uh, I should get a raise. Okay, I'm going to steer the pod a little bit more. I don't consider neither one of them because our product management is a job. And if we go for the definition of a job, something that is art cannot be a job because an art is making you feel. A job is generating, so... If we go for that base, product management is a job. I know it's a, I know it's an art and it has an art of way of doing things. But for me, it's more like you need to have a little bit of faith for taking the decisions. That's an art. But you need to base your decision decision in something. That's a, a that's that analysis that you do behind it and the user research and all of that. So it has a little bit of science. So my opinion is neither of those is a job. It's something that you need to combine. And you need to generate and you need to work for it. And at the end of the day, it's a job. Uh, so. Okay, well, let me rephrase then. What is the main purpose of a product manager? Let's really nail that down. I mean, you're all product managers. What's the objective? Generate fucking good product, products. I'm sorry for my sorry for my words, but generate good products. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, to generate good products, uh, 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 achieve objectives uh, ultimately, uh, and I, I guess you know, creating good products is that's that's the tool by which by which we see that. Uh, sometimes that's you know that's just going to be make a shitload of money. Um, sometimes it's going to be um, you know influence people to I don't know recycle or do other correct things. But yeah, it is to 
effectively achieve objectives and influence outcomes. And uh, yes. yeah, you know, us us being being people with a hammer, we will see those problems as nails. And I would I would say that your main objective as a product manager is to amaze. Since well, you're always working to to ensure some sort of predicted outcome, but it becomes a really good product. Hence back to my 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 statement about art. If you also amaze in the process or make people contemplate on, okay, that was well thought of, well put, well done, well, 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 well manufactured, it expected the, or, or surprising the expected outcome. And who's the intended audience? I mean, when you say amazed, you mean internal stakeholders, extern, external in terms of consumers? It, my point of view is obviously from, from, from uh, retailer loyalty app or digital products, uh, hence surprise in a positive way in terms of feeling special, feeling you, you got something extra out of your subscription or extra out of your, your groceries uh, to, to just spark that little, that little dose of dopamine in, in, the, in the customer's head, right? To ensure that they put some more into that basket through a challenging or a well conceived and well well designed well produced product that works every time and, and hence give them that just that little sense of being very special I do think your question Connor uh, you know does put an interesting angle on on here like who who are you trying to amaze um and and it, it, it reminds me of of how uh, well you know all industries have their little award shows where we all get to pat each other on the back about how good of a job we're doing but in 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 advertising you know you have those award shows like everybody else um, and and what you'll see there is that the the awards for best advertisements they don't go to the ones that that sell the most they go to the ones that are the coolest that push artistic boundaries that do something new that introduce new techniques methods ways of looking at things and i think that's a really interesting case of where you see the the the, the advertisers as artists amazing one set of people and, and and reaping those accolades and awards and then you have the advertisers as scientists who are actually getting shit done and moving product i agree it's a great take on it and i think one thing that i agree with you you have almost navigated the ambiguity into not taking a side but one thing i would say is would you argue that maybe you know you've, you've almost removed the emotive side of it what these guys have said in terms of you know really making somebody feel that injection of serotonin that amazing somebody but what would your take on that be i mean do you think that as a product management manager you do have that ability to you know use your artistic talent i mean you've come from a background within art so i'm sure that you must see how it's applicable in your everyday role obviously obviously um look i think when you start anything everything is a science because you need to learn the abc for everything and once you have the expertise it becomes an art because it comes natural to you like uh I don't know, doing a plate the first time that you're creating something, you need to follow a recipe. The next time you're going to do it by, by memory and you're going to know how to do it better. Or maybe I'm missing something. And this time I'm going to use this something different. And when you are generating a product, when you're doing this kind of stuff, the beginning, as I said, I am, uh, I'm new on the, on the job, so I'm learning. So for me, it's more a scientific method, method because I'm very relying on all my decisions and data. I'm trying to be the most accurate possible of in these kind of situations, but after a while, I have seen my colleagues being like, yeah, this is going to work this way. How do you know? Because I know these kind of things is different. So I will say there is a transition from what point of your career are you in product management? Then you can say both. I think it's a great take. And I think it is something that 
you know, I don't think the two terms do juxtapose, and I think there certainly is an element of both. But Halger, I know it was a question that you posed. What's your tip? Um, and you can't I, say both. Yeah, I know. I'm 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 going to be the only one who sticks to the rules here. Uh, I'm I'm going to stay worse. Uh, well, no, I'm uh, sorry. I I think you did too. So sorry about that. Uh, I am going to say art. Now, admittedly, that might come from a lens of, uh, of self-preservation, because if it is purely science, I'm, you know, I'm less than a year away from being replaced by ChatGPT. But, 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 but dismissing that, the scientific method, well, while amazing, cannot stand on its own. It needs an actor to make and interpret observations and creatively propose hypotheses. Left to its own devices, the method will just produce more of the same. An endless collage of, of beautiful but ultimately uninspiring fractals. In, in the product world, we we see that with the infinite supply of cookie cutter CRUD apps who compete on features alone and share the same few versions of great scale user interfaces. So, approaching an industry or a problem and making all of the right observations and synthesizing those into novel insights and inventing unique solutions that I I would call art. Great tape. So let's just leave that no, talking there. <laughs> nope, no, no, I I agree. It's 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 like the it's like the Counter Strike player. It's like the footballer. It's 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 when you apply all that you've learned, and maybe are capable of just twisting it a notch, in comparison to the common way or the normal way of 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 doing whatever your product might be, that it becomes an art. But that does not that, that that actually just underlines that it, it it can be an art, but there's a lot of hard work behind the art. But every now and then, every now and then, you get to touch people in their mind with the product that you produce, be it advertising, be it loyalty apps, be it whatever it may be. And and those are really the moments that they're, they're they're few and they're often far apart. But that's that's when you truly know that you struck something that can be classified as art. And then it becomes mainstream, and then you need to, uh, <laughs> then you need you need to to find your next piece of art or your next masterpiece, not master's piece, but masterpiece. Great take, Gun. I think so. Really nice point, Seth. I think it really nailed down that you know it can be both simultaneously. But I think the the two guys on the panel have put forward that how artistic it can be and the emotive side of product management and the way in which when you do something that does influence people does change the way in which the market looks at the challenges. It can then become mainstream, but I think that artistic flow or artistic take on product management is certainly there. But I think Lucia, as you say, it's probably something that's developed after a long time within the industry. But Soren, I know that you had a great question to post the panel, if you'd like to do so. I'd, I'd love to. Um, now, as a product manager, your first and foremost mission is to create value. Obviously, this value comes from an investment of either time or money or people's other people's time that's the 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 product managers or uh, project managers triangle however there'll be different perceptions as to what value is to your product so without any further ado Lucia which science in this context which science or which sciences might you be using to keep these discussions of value or perceptions of value crisp or clean in order for them not to become emotional does the question um, make sense? Yeah. So um, it's difficult because I think it depends obviously on each industry, but the basis for product management, I will say, is obviously that analysis, understand your users. And 
but and foremost, we are creating something for somebody. So when we do user research, when we do user experience, when we analyze how is the behavior of those, um, why this is working, why this is not working, and we go more into the person and less into the numbers, I think that, that anal- the science there is the base for everything about management. It doesn't matter if you are creating bricks, as if you are building something for the higher department on the banks. So um, you need to think on the user and how they're going to use, be using the tool. So I think the user experience and the data analysis and those things can be the science and the most basic thing that you need to have. So I pretty much agree with everything you say in theory. Uh, but I think what the question touches on is is like, what, what, what do you do when that breaks down? Uh, we can try to stay as rational and pragmatic as we want, but I'm I'm sure that you know we've all known the frustration of, uh, of, 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 of sitting in the room stuck with the hippo, stuck stuck with the you know the the highest paid person's opinion, and trying to to like break that down, but simply just not speaking the same language. And you can you can bring out all your models and analyses and and, and science, but often you're just not going to see eye to eye. Um, and, and honestly, I, I do think once you get there, um, you're not going to get back on track. Yeah, once, once, once you're there, and once, once you have that schism, no amount of science or data or analysis is ever going to get you back on track. But really? then it, it comes in the sorry for interrupting, but then it just comes in the way of how good a storyteller are you, and that's a really important part of being a project manager. How good a storyteller are you, and how are you gonna create a momentum for you to be understood? Mm-hmm. So I, I think you really have to you have to preempt that you have to get ahead of that problem. Um, now sometimes you know you 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 just sort of do that naturally before any discussions. Sometimes you know you might even know who the who the typical hippos are and and who and how and what you need to preempt. Which uh, hey, that's an art art in itself. Um, the key here is to align those expectations honestly beforehand before getting getting into deep. You're not going to be able to to climb your way out of it. Now, you know, to make it clear, and you know, this is my, my, my maybe artistic bias come through, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having strong intuition-based opinions, often lacking or even opposing what the science tells us. However, we need to remember that there is a time and a place for everything. We need to remember that we need to remind ourselves of that, and we need to remind everybody around us of that. It's okay to have strongly held opinions based in intuition and taste um and before you're getting too deep into discussions that will commit you to a course of action you need to align all right what kind of discussion are we having right now are we having a discussion of taste or are we having a pragmatic look at the results we need to achieve and and how we get there um given that do you do you have a do you have thoughts on that yourself sound well, yeah, well yes yes i do uh, my experience is that mostly when you do discuss value the elephant or the hippo in the room will in 90 percent of the cases be that value equals money or equals some sort of currency in terms of a financial benefit uh, one particular technique that i believe i've succeeded with which i'm now happy to share is is uh, a guy called john ward who's written a book about uh, benefits management and benefits definition, in particular in IT project, which has been beneficial to me, obviously, since I've been in IT. And uh, one technique is is actually splitting the outcome of the investment into respectively soft and hard benefits. Soft are those that are not necessarily financial 
or unnecessarily quantifiable or unnecessarily measurable, uh, but observable. And if you can sort of agree amongst all the stakeholders, of which there are often many from different levels within the organization, or even actual investors and 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 use the execution company going to deliver on their on their on their uh, desires, then you you actually need to Im- impose this here discussion at a very early stage for which there's another technique which I use called concept mapping, which actually helps aligning language, aligning vocabulary, aligning perceptions of what we set out to achieve. Uh, and with those two techniques in in, uh, in unison, I, I usually get a long way of the way by actually breaking up the, the, the concept of value into something more than just money. At the end of the day, when you complete a, a product, when you deliver an outcome, you as a product owner and your product as such needs to have gained value. But whoever finances the activities must also feel and, and accept and sort of sign in blood that yes, this was definitely worth the investment at the end of the day. And hence it's my, it, it really back to the point of my question. So how do you, that this works for me in terms of, of how to ensure that you don't get emotional, but actually get quite crisp on what value represents uh, in any in, in any project you take on for developing your product. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm not familiar with those uh, specific techniques. So if, if you want to drop a few links, I'll... Uh, uh, I'll be I'll happy to address a couple of lines or, or, or drop a few links. I will also love that. My pleasure. Points there as well. So really insightful points there. And I think one of the main questions off the back of that is you mentioned some other measures as opposed to it just being monetary gain. So what would be an example perhaps from your industry, you know, to give us a, a bit of a feel for what other measures you'd be looking at to assess the, the value added? It, 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 ever so often I've read business cases where uh, for a, a minuscule investment, uh, you would earn millions of dollars, right? Uh, and hence, if you start scratching the surface of that argument, that might not necessarily hold water. Um in, in this context, it, especially within the, the digital products and for loyalty, it's about behavior. And hence you could put prospects or you could sort of half calculate whether an investment of $100,000 in some development would bring you a, a, a revenue increase of millions of dollars. But it's hard to make that uh, make that link or even to prove it afterwards. And hence you have to sort of, you, you have to boil your expectations down to not necessarily be able to read them in hard currencies, but in something else. And it's that currency you set out to identify in terms of, of saying, well, you know what, if we make this investment and we can see an increase in amount of users or returning users or or the, or the like, then you've actually made a different currency in terms of an observable benefit not necessarily a hard benefit in terms of more money, but an observable benefit, which needs to be weighed against the investment, obviously, but you certainly, certainly get a vocabulary with which to discuss it in other means than just money. Make some great points there. Very similar to the question that was posed, value discussions and value alone also brings about ambiguity, of, you know, the way in which it should be approached. And I think you're 100% right that it's not just a monetary value. Going back to the main title, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. I know that you both said it's a, it's an art, but my argument would be that I know Hadji, you said, you know, maybe it's in, in a case of self-preservation, the development of AI. And my point would be a lot of the position of a product manager would be the physical thinking, the evaluating, analyzing data to reach a certain point, 
And then I agree, you can put your, your own little artistic twist on the end that then makes it differentiated from what other people are delivering. But my question would be, opposed to, you know, the curiosity and the innovation, where do you think that a science could be implemented within the product management role or you best utilised in terms of AI? I mean, is it the initial research phase? Where could it be utilised? So, I mean, there's 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 plenty of concrete cases where we sort of can go in and, 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 and choose specific scenarios. There's... Um, there are some things that you know we we concretely work on, which are uh, a new bulk analysis of, of user feedback. Uh, I, I, I don't know if if any of the others on this call have, have worked with various feedback, uh, you know, gathering and tagging and, and and analysis techniques where you try to distill it into something that is broadly applicable. But that's that can be quite tedious work. And you know, if we're if if I'm honest with myself, sometimes I I'll do all of the right tagging. And then, and then I might not take the time to go back to it and and extract those actionable items from it. Um, so there's an opportunity for bringing things in in bulk, uh, setting up some kind of schema for the kinds of feedback that come in, what types of users are are, are giving that feedback, and then and then you know asking the right questions to see uh, can that be distilled into the most high impact things that we can be working on at any given time. Uh, that's of course one very specific uh, use case, um, and, and again, we can get into more specifics. There's things like a churn analysis and prevention. Uh, that's 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 a whole other extremely valuable angle to go at it from. Uh, but um, other than that, you know, I mean, AI as a whole, it's um, it's it's hard it's hard to say. It's extremely hard to say uh, because it's so new and it's already so impressive. I do believe that you know we're 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 like the boiling frog. That uh, if we two years from now, AI will be everywhere, and we we won't even know it. We will have no idea what hit us. It's a bit scary. Yeah. Hey, really? Sorry, was you? No, I I completely agree with how Jerry that AI can be a tool that helps you. And I've been having this debate with many developers and so many people. And one of the main conclusions that we all arrive to is that if humanity uses AI as a, as it is intended, that is as a support and a tool to help you to navigate your day-to-day, -day, it's amazing. But if we use it only to substitute things that we don't want to do and we are too lazy to do, it's going to be the doom of the, the doom of us. If we don't want to wait, right? Another SI again in, the, in our lives is when things like that, we're not going to think again. And that's gonna make us, I don't know. That's gonna make a situation, uh, create a sorry, create a bad situation. But I think for project management, it's, an, it's amazing. It's a tool that we can use to help you, I don't know, structure reports or correct your writing, especially for people who are, are English is not our native language. So helps you with all of this kind of stuff and analyzes, uh, giving you ideas when you're start a blog, things like that. So if you use it as a tool, it has a lot of cases, as Algir said, but. We just need to be careful to not depend on it too much, because the day it's not working, then what? Yeah, you're 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 a designer by education. Mm -hmm. uh, well, a communicator more than anything. I then I just specialize but, in design. But, but there's, I believe there's this basic line or, or basic rule about design is that design is not done until there's no more you can take away as a rule of thumb. Right? It has to be simple and 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 easy. Depends okay. on what do you want to do with it. Work with me. <laughs> do you think you can AI work by that rule? Can you make AI make really, really good or sort of artistic art 
uh, masterpiece designs, mm. which is the gifted use of all the rules. If you have an artist that know, and uh, you have a designer who knows what they want, and they can create the right prompts, and then can use it in the right direction, it's a tool to use as Photoshop is, as a pen is. It's a, it's a tool to use and implement, but uh, it's how you use, you use the tool, what it's gonna be. Like for example, continuing with the designer example, Photoshop has a great feature that basically selects people and cuts them out of the out of the. But if you look at it, it's not great. It's a quick fix. A great designer will go back and go retrace it and go creating different shades and will uh, take care of the shadows and take care of the hair that is the most difficult part and will cut the person correctly. But that will take time. But if you want a quick fix and something to save easily and to solve easily, you have the quick feature. So. It's a tool. Should I use it? Should I not? It's going to depend on what do I want to do with the image. But I seem to remember you can train your AI, right? You can yeah. actually train it and hence <laughs> lean into it is one command you might give it. Anyways, a, a great perspective. I agree. Yeah. I think it's a nice way of looking at it as well in terms of could AI be developed to deliver the artistic twist? You know, depending on the information it's given. I think we're at a very early stage. But, but still you have an artist behind. You still have an artist giving it the right prompts. And as, uh, for example, the engineers and the developers, although there is probably AI being able to do the same faster, you still need somebody who gives you the right prompts to create something. And if you don't have the knowledge for it, you're going to use to trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, and generate something that doesn't work. So the conclusion to this discussion, and children out there, listen carefully. If you do not want to be replaced by AI, become an artist. <laughs> Or a product manager by the same definition. <laughs> well, at this stage, what I'd like to ask is, is there any final questions or anything else that anybody would like to add? I mean, now that we've started down this rabbit hole, I, w I would love to get into the whole philosophical uh, artistic expressions of AI or not. But, you know, let's 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 leave that till next time. <laughs> of course. I never got to have you all back on. It's been a pleasure. Well, I'd just like your acquaintance, Adria and Lucia. Nice to it. Uh, really nice to have the conversation, guys. Really eye-opening. Eye this was excellent. Thank you so much, everyone. Right back. Okay. I'd just like to thank you from my end for some amazing contributions. And if you'd like to join us on a future episode, please drop me a message on LinkedIn. Thank you, everyone.